We're in Acts chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at Acts 3, 1 through 10. I think some commentators take this section to verse 11. I, I, we'll take it to 10. Beginning to read at verse 1. Hear God's holy and perfect word. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. A man who had been lame from his mother's womb had been, was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those that were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixing his gaze on him, said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And as they were taking note of him, being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord God, you alone are God beside you. There is no other. You are an amazing God. You can make the lame leap like a deer. You give new life to those who are dead in their sins and trespasses. There's nothing impossible for you. Increase our faith, Lord, that we might believe in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Today in our passage, we're going to look at Obviously, um, a miracle. So we're witnessing a miracle as we look in Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. I believe in, um, I believe in the book of Acts, there's something like 20 miracles being recorded in the book of Acts. And I'm going to argue as we go through the passage that they're for a particular purpose. But there's something like 20, 20 miracles somewhere thereabouts. And depending on who does the count, if you look at the gospel records, there's either 36 to 40 miracles directly attributed uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. As Bible-believing Christians, we believe in miracles. I know there's always, I guess anecdotally from history, Thomas Jefferson didn't believe in miracles, and so there's a Thomas Jefferson Bible. I think you can get it at Christian bookstores, distributors, and he takes a razor blade and cuts out all the miracles of, of the Bible. Beloved, Bible-believing Christians, which is what we want to be, of whatever stripe, Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, we, we want to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus tells us to do that in Matthew chapter 4, to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So whatever God says in, in his word, we want to believe. So we want to hate what God hates, we want to love what God loves, and what God says is true is true. So if God says that he is a God who affects miracles, We ourselves want to believe that we believe in a miracle-working God. Now, 
particularly in passages like this, dealing with the subject of miracles, I think it's helpful to define our terms, especially terms that we use variously. And I don't mean twisting a term. It's possible to use words wrongly, but in common everyday speech, we use lots of words, and we have lots of different meanings to those words depending upon the context. I'll just give you an instance of one such word, which is why I want to define what I mean when we say we're looking at a miracle. Use the word love. The word love can, use, can mean lots of different things, and the context will indicate what we're getting at. You can say, I love pizza, or I love God, or I'm loved by God in Christ. So there is a filial love, there's an ordinary love, there's a God love, and it can have various shades of meanings depend upon what we're looking at. And the same is true for miracle. So miracle, we can use the word miracle to mean I'm really happy. It's a miracle my tax refund money came so quickly. It's a miracle. Or we can use the word miracle to mean that we're profoundly happy. It's a miracle that the operation worked. It's a miracle that the chemo medicine is, is working against the, the, the cancer. It's a miracle. We're profoundly happy. Or we can use the word miracle to mean that something has happened and we don't understand it. It's, it's a miracle that the tornado came down this one street and destroyed every home and hopped over the middle house and destroyed every other home. It's a miracle. We don't understand it. Now, I want to be precise. For, for our purposes, I want to define what a Bible miracle is. And part of the reason I think it's helpful to define a Bible miracle, not all of us have come out of the womb straight into the Reformed faith. I didn't. A former Roman Catholic married to a former Hindu, now a born-again Christian, but I've been everywhere. Baptist, Pentecostal, you name it, and here I am. And so sometimes, depending upon the church that you're in, you have you ever been to a miracle service? I've been to miracle services in Pentecostal church where they do miracles. I'm not sure if they're doing this kind of miracle. I'm pretty sure they're not. Here's what I mean when I say miracle. Miracle has to do with the providence of Almighty God. Providence is a fancy word for government. So God has created every... God is from all eternity. He's uncreated. He's underived. It's the aseity of God. That God is eternal, eternally existent. So when we think of, of God eternally existent, in the beginning God, he creates everything. And God governs everything that he has created. And God governs variously. We would say the primary way in which God governs all his creatures and all their actions is through ordinary providence or ordinary government. And he most ordinarily governs us through secondary means or secondary causes. There's a reason I'm pushing 190 and not 160 because I'm eating ice cream. Secondary means, secondary causes. Does that make sense? And so if we were to say something like this, God will sustain our life. How does God sustain our life ordinarily in his ordinary government? He gives us food and he gives us drink. What's the ordinary means whereby God gives us food and drink? We would say work or labor. But God is the one that establishes those secondary means or causes. God's the one that gives them the properties of food that sustains our life, medicines. He gives the properties and God makes them effectual. 
That's how God governs most things ordinarily. Now, when we come to the business of miracle, there are Christians, especially within the Reformed camp, I'm obviously a Reformed minister, who say, nope, we don't believe in, in miracles anymore. Well, you're looking at a Christian that does believe in miracles still, but I'm going to define my, my understanding of a miracle this way. I'm going to use the language of our secondary standard, which is Presbyterians is the confession of faith. All this is is a written summary of what we think the Bible teaches on any subject. And here's what we understand about providence or government from chapter 5. God in his ordinary providence makes use of means, that's the ordinary government, yet he is free to work without, above, or against means at his pleasure. So a true miracle, the kind of miracles that we find in the Bible, are God working without secondary causes, he's working above secondary causes, or he's working against secondary causes. I want you to think of a couple Bible miracles. Remember the guy out chopping wood and the axe head flies off? And he says, my master, my master, my Lord, it's a borrowed axe. And I think it's Elijah, Elisha touches the water or something like that, and the axe head floats. Iron axe heads don't float on water. That's God working against the properties of those secondary things, water, water and iron. Um, I think, was it in the book of Joshua that the sun stood still and there's another place in the Bible that the shadow goes backwards? The sun ordinarily doesn't stand still. So God is working against those ordinary secondary means. How about virgins? Do virgins give birth to a son? Virgins do not give birth to a baby, except when God the Holy Spirit overshadows the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's a miracle. Miracle, miracle, miracle. So when we think miracle, think God's extraordinary government, that somehow God, in an immediate way, in an immediate way, God is affecting something. God is governing something in uh, an immediate way. So when we come to this particular fellow looking at this miracle of this man who was lame or crippled being restored, Peter commands the, the, the man to be, who is lame to be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing in the command that should cause this man to be restored to full health. It's sometimes people, if you've ever seen it well, the properties of the oil, if you add the, the vinegar or, or the oil, that's really healing properties, and that's what's going on. No, he doesn't do any of that. He says, in the name of Jesus, stand. So there's nothing there that should affect his healing, but this is God immediately healing this man. Now, I want you to think of something. Who's doing the healing? It's not Peter. It's not John. They're the servants. It's God. And who or what is God? God is the creator of all things. He could speak ex nihilo from nothing. Let there be light. Boom, there's light. He creates Adam. He creates Eve. And so we have the creator of heaven and earth who's taking this broken creature. And what is God, the creator of heaven and earth, doing for this broken creature? What's he doing? He's healing him. I've, I've used for the title of the sermon from Isaiah, and the lame will leap like a deer. Beloved, I'm going to say this. I hope to say it at the end of the sermon, but I should just say it right now. This sermon teaches us a number of things about God, but what it teaches us is God is good and God is powerful. And someday, all of the brokenness that has occurred to man because of sin is going to be taken away in, in Christ Jesus. 
So there's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no lameness. There's going to be no disease. There's going to be no death. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, I think in the 30s, no one will say, I am sick. No more. So if you, beloved, are wrestling with any kind of infirmity, physical infirmity, how about mental infirmity? How about emotional infirmity? I know people that don't struggle with that. You think poo-poo, emotional infirmity, mental infirmity. I'm strong as a horse. That's a joke. That's not even real. Oh, really? Oh, really? You don't think emotional infirmity or mental infirmity is real like a broken leg? Try it on for size sometime. And you're going to look forward to the day when God says, and the lame shall leap like deer, a deer, because of this one. So that's what's going on. That's a real miracle. As I've said, you can travel around in various churches and they're going to say this or they say that and they say that's a real miracle. I myself watched a woman with bad ankles at Christian Heritage in Tallahassee, Florida. I went to a miracle service and they healed her of her and she ran around the perimeter of the church and I knew that she had bad ankles. And I went home to my wife. My wife refused to go to the miracle service with me. She was smarter than I am. And I said, it's like the Bible. They healed her. She didn't even... They healed her. I know this one has bad ankles. She ran around the church. I went back to see her the next week because I was selling an ad. She was the church secretary. And I said, where is Sister Sally? Oh, she's in the hospital having an ankle operation. That's not a miracle. This is a miracle. This is not getting super jazzed. I really, there's no weeds in my garden. There's no weeds in my garden. I feel really healthy. Don't I feel really healthy? Oh, no. This is miracle. Your legs, your ankles, your feet did not work because they were broken. And it wasn't you conjuring up, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's God healing you. Real miracle. Does that make sense? I'm not picking on the other folks that supposedly do miracles at their church. Um, I'll, I'll leave that for them. I want you to think of the context of this particular miracle because it's important. Sometimes, sometimes, Miracles are presented to the church almost as like a sideshow. Like, wow, isn't that pizzazzy? Ooh, the power. But when you look at Bible miracles, particularly in the New Testament epoch, they have, a, they have almost a singular purpose. The Bible mi- miracles that we find in the Gospels and then the epistles, their purpose is to point to Jesus Christ. That's why we open, open by reading from our secondary standard on chapter 8. Jesus. It's about Christ. Our Bible, uh, our brothers uh, teaching through J.C. Rowell on prayer. You read J.C. Rowell. I, I mean, I can't say enough. I can't wait to meet J.C. Rowell. One of the things about J.C. Rowell is he, is he is so Christological. He's so Christ-focused. Everything you read is dripping with Christ. You leave more in love with Jesus, wanting to be more in love with Jesus. You want to talk to Jesus in prayer. You want to read of Jesus in the Bible. That's what the miracles are doing. When this guy is is healed, it's pointing and saying, Jesus is the Christ. And when we see the widow from Nain, her her dead son is raised from the dead. I'm being redundant. What does it say? Jesus is the Christ. And not only is Jesus the Christ, he is a real human being. But when he raises the dead, casts out demons, and heals broken bodies, what what else does it teach us about our Christ? Jesus Christ is... Emmanuel, he's God. And so this miracle is to point us to Jesus. Now let me back up to prove that. The context of this miracle, we, we have all, this is sometimes 
commentators will say, this is the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts. But that's not right. Let's go back to the gospel. So we have Peter and James, uh, Peter, Peter and John, excuse me. Peter and John are going to, God will work a miracle through these fellows. Let's, let's back up and look a little bit at what Peter and John have experienced in chapter one of this book, in chapter two of this book, and maybe towards the end of the gospels. What do Peter and John run away from at the very end of the gospels? The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ really die on a cross? Yes, for the sins of his, his people. And what did he cry on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then what does he say? Our brother again was teaching, I, I, I was thinking this, that we should be loving and kind people to a, an unloving and unkind world. What did Jesus Christ say from the cross? Father, what? Forgive them. And then he gives up the spirit and he dies. So we, the people knew... Uh, Uh, Peter and John know that Jesus has died for sins. Three days later, what happens with with Jesus? He rises from the dead. Uh, Women meet the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and they go running to Peter, and they go running to John. And what do they say to these two guys? We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Beloved, as Christians, this is not just we believe right propositions about Jesus. We do. I would argue that the Bible brings us into relationship with the person. But it's not just this. There are people who could say the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. I could say it like a parrot. I said it every Sunday as a Catholic. I believe in the Holy Apostolic Church. And what is that? We could say the Lord's Prayer the same way. We could say right things about Jesus because facts are rattling around in our noggins. But it's a person. These facts, these truths, these Bible propositions bring us into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I right or not? So this is informalism. This is the difference between being in the church and being in Christ. This is the difference between having water sprinkled on your head or poured all over you and being born again. You know right things about Jesus and you know Jesus. Does that make sense? And so the women say, we have seen Jesus. And so Peter and John go running to the, to the tomb. John's a younger guy. He beats Peter there. Peter's more bold. He goes in first. Jesus isn't there. And, and that brings us up to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, who do Peter and John and the other believers meet? The risen Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rises from the dead. Virgins don't give birth. People who die don't rise. But virgins gave birth and Jesus rose. What do we call that? Miracle. Bible-believing Christians believe in miracles because God is a a miracle-affecting God. So Jesus was born of a virgin. Miracle. Jesus died for sins. Miracle. Jesus rose again in the fulfillment of the Scriptures. Miracle. And Peter and John and all of the other believers, they hear Jesus. Jesus says, wait here for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ascend up into heaven and when the the fullness of time has come, I'm coming back for you. Where is Jesus Christ right now, beloved? Really? Where where is he? He's at the right hand of, of glory, the right hand of the Father. What is he doing there? Ruling and reigning and defending all of his people and he's going to come back on the last day and he's going to do what? A trumpet's going to sound and what will happen? We are going to fly away. We're going to blow this joint. We're out of here. 
well, I, I don't know if I want to be out of here. I want to be out of here. Even as pretty as this is, we are gone. What do you call that? Miracle. So this is not the first miracle. And then the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is another miracle. You have the sights, uh, the, the, the tongues of fire. You have the sounds, the rushing wind. It's a reversal of the curse of Babylon. And then, and then the people speak with various languages. I know people say it's your secret prayer language. It's, it's not your secret prayer language. It's the various tongues. Read the p- passage. The French guy said, listen, I'm being... French guy said, the Irish guy said, the German guy said, we hear them praising God in our own language. That's a miracle. Have you ever studied another language? I did three years Greek, two years Hebrew, and you know how much I know? Baby Greek, baby Hebrew. Baby! These guys, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are speaking fluently and the perfect accent. And the people who are born there say, aren't these guys Galileans? I mean, take a guy from Boston, teach him Spanish, and what is it? Mayama Juan. I mean, how, how does that work? But that's not this. This is miracle. Beloved, can God do this? Yes. Did he do it? Yes. The, the, This passage is designed to bolster the faith of believers and it's designed to woo unbelievers to Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus, this passage is here to make you believe in Jesus more. Well, I have a broken body. Well, then take it to Christ. I have a broken mind. Take it to Christ. I have a broken marriage, a broken family. Take it to Christ. Amen? That's what's going on here. And so if you say, I can't, you can't. You can't. I know we're not supposed to say that. We're all supposed to be Vince Lombardi. Winners do things losers don't, don't want to do. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But, but Beloved, could this guy whose ankles didn't work, whose feet didn't work, could he pull a Vince Lombardi? Could he pull himself up by his, just gut it up, men do things, men are men, just be a man. Oh, no. You're not going to be a man. I mean, I was raised with this, by the way. My dad, I love my dad. He's dead. But I was raised with that. He, he, he thought it was effeminate if men didn't act like men and make it happen. Here's what I've heard my whole life. Make it happen. Well, I'm really sad. I'm really broken. Make it happen. <laughs> I'm this, I'm that. Make it happen. And that was it. How do I make it happen? Make it happen. You're laughing. <laughs> Military guys know this. Could this guy make it happen? No. Oh, beloved. Vince Lombardi couldn't make it happen. Vince Lombardi couldn't keep himself from dying. Vince Lombardi couldn't keep himself from sinning. He couldn't make it happen. No one can make it happen. Not in a spirit. I don't mind talking. You can't get up and put your lunch, get your boots and go to work. I'm not talking that. This guy is teaching us spiritual lessons about the fall of man, about the goodness and the restoration that's found in Jesus Christ. So the context of this miracle is a miraculous Context. So if, 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 we're, if we're trying to imbibe a certain kind of naturalistic view of Christianity, that's not Christianity. I know there are guys, conservatives, that are not Christians, that Christian lo- Christians love because they're conservative politically. I would say this. I'm not going to pick on them too much. You, go take in your favorite conservative who's not a Christian. You love them because of their political views. Mash in their name and mash in, mash in Jesus or Christ. And then watch them talk about Jesus. K 
Katie, bar the door. You're, you're going to never want to turn them on again. And it's all like, well, you know, we should have a good society. And it's the, the well-ordering of morals. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't social renovation. This isn't like some kind of therapy that we're believing. We're believing in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that raises spiritually dead people to new life. That's the one we believe in. The one that can take broken bodies and heal them. You say, well, I have a broken body. I'm not going to be healed. Just wait. You got a broken body? I got a broken body. Nothing's working. My eyes don't work. My ears don't work. Just wait. Pretty soon, they're going to work perfectly. Amen? Amen. And the people that we have loved that died with broken bodies and they've died in Christ, where are they now? Their, their bodies are working. They don't have a body yet until the resurrection. Their spirits are working perfectly. That's what this is. This is the truth of God in Christ, but it's designed to make us know God and love him more. And it's a miraculous context because it's a miraculous God. And so what are some basic lessons that you learn as you see this miracle? I know we're kind of looking big view first and then we'll unpack it particularly after. When you look at the truth of miracles, what are some basic lessons that you learn? Remember, miracles are God's extraordinary government. Stuff just doesn't happen. I know there's a bumper sticker, stuff happens. Stuff doesn't happen. Stuff just did not get here. The Big Bang, I don't know how it's supposed to work. That's not true. Matter is not eternal. God is eternal. And so when you look at a miracle, the very basic lesson it teaches us that we need to learn, because even as Christians, we forget it. God is. You can underline that. That's the basic message. God is. And not just any generic faceless God. Everybody and their brother believes in God. You have to ask, what do you mean? We mean the God of the Bible, who alone is God. So do we believe only the God of the Bible is God and all the other gods of the world are not God? Do we believe that? If you are a Bible Christian, you believe that. So when we see this miracle, we see the God of the, of the Bible, who alone is God. He is. He is. And he is God. And guess who's not God? We're not God. You think, well, I already believe that. No, you don't. No, I don't. When, when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, who did we think was God? When we were not converted to Jesus, who did you think you, was God? If you were old enough to remember when you were not converted, I was 26. You could say, oh yeah, I believe God, I believe the Nicene Creed, all that stuff. But then what's the lie of the devil? You can be God. Talk to natural man, unconverted man, non-Christian man. On some days they think they're God. The man, well, I, I make it happen. I'm the little Lord of my life. They think they're God. On other, other days, and I'll use Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, they think the sun is God, the moon is God, the snake is God, or whatever. On another day, you can find an unconverted man, and what will he say? There is no God. Miracles are God intruding, as it were, into his own creation in a mighty, unmistakable way. I am God. I'm God, I exist, and I'm the God of the Bible. You're not God. The snake is not God. The moon's not God. I am God. Beloved, we, we, we need that message. Many times, even as believers, we walk around so defeated. We're not praying, we're not reading our Bible. We're not living in communion with this God. And God here, as it were, 
both for this fellow, shows him that he is, he's powerful and he's good, but also to the, to the believers. When we look at this, we think, God is. God really is. It, do we always live with a conscious appreciate, even as a Christian, do we always live with a conscious appreciation that God is? I'm, do, do you walk around your day going, I am in the presence of a three times holy, wonderful, loving God? Do you live life like that? I wish we did. I wish we did. And miracles are a way of God putting an exclamation point on, I am God. And I, I'm everywhere present with my people. And it also, as I say, says, I say, not only does the miracle t- teach us that the God of the Bible is, it teaches us again that we are not God. And we do need to hear that. Um, I got a call this morning while I was shaving that my daughter fell down the stairs with the baby. And our brother said it in Sunday school, and it made me think of that. You, you could wake up thinking, you know what? I've got the whole day planned out. I'm going to go to Sunday school, and then there's going to be morning service, and then we're going to have young people over to the house, then there's going to be evening service, and then I'm even going to plan Monday. I'm going to have it all planned out. And then what happens? You get a phone call when you're shaving. What happens after that? I'm not God. Who's God? God's God. My daughter's okay. The baby's okay. She's going to get her head checked out. Do you think the parents of this man loved their son? Yeah. Could the parents heal their boy? No. Could they stop their boy from being lame? If there were any doctors around, you think the mother and the father would have tried to move heaven and earth to take their son to the doctor to heal him if there were doctors around, if they had the ability? Yes. I think they're Jews. Would, they have, would, would any believing mother or father taken this boy, this boy crippled from the womb, to the synagogue and to the temple and said to the religious leaders, Pray that God heal my son. Would they have done that? Yeah. We need this lesson. I needed the lesson this morning. We need it. The mother and the father are not God. They can't keep the boy from being crippled. They can't stop him. They can't keep their son whole. They would if they could. The doctors can't heal him. The priests couldn't heal him. And what about the man himself? Could this man do what I was told? Make it happen. Just just make it happen. Could he will himself whole? No. This this man is 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 a living illustration of what we all are before God, before we come to Christ, before Christ comes to us. We are this man. This man is lame. We are lame. This man cannot stand. We cannot stand upright before a holy God. We have no power. We're broken. And why is he begging? There's a very simple reason here, beloved. Why is this guy begging? Because he's lame. That means he can't work. And he's living in a day and a time where if you couldn't work, that you had to beg. Why? 
so you can eat. So he's begging. He's broken. He's poor. He's powerless. We're broken. We're poor. We're powerless. Our mothers and fathers can't heal us. The doctors can't heal us. The priests and the prophets can't heal us. We're broken. We can't heal us. We're broken. And you know what? I'm for doctors. If you have something wrong mentally, something wrong physically, I'm for all of these things. Who is the one that really causes the growth? Who is the one that gives the efficacy to the healing? Is God in Christ. Peter and John are not healing this guy. They're not the ones with the intrinsic power that's healing this guy. Who's healing this guy? God in Christ, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. This is God intruding into creation in, in a mighty way to testify to this man that Jesus is the Christ. Remember I said that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, that fulfills Joel 2, 28 through 30. And Joel 2, 28 through 30 says, when you see these things, it's pointing to the Christ has come. So Peter says, look, Jesus is the Christ. And so when this, this lame guy leaps like a deer, this is in Isaiah 35, and the lame shall leap like a deer when Messiah comes. And what's God doing? There he is. Jesus is the Christ. This is the lesser. I'm going to say this. The healing of physical healing is the lesser thing that God in Christ does. The greater thing that God in Christ does is the spiritual healing. If you don't have faith, that doesn't make any sense to you. If, 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 if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, what I said just does not make sense. Because without faith in Jesus, here's what you say. Man, if my legs aren't working, I want my legs to be working. And if my legs work, that's all I want. That's the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. What happened to this guy after a while, after God healed his legs? What happened to him? He died. He died. So even if God physically granted a miracle and he healed whatever ailment, the blindness, the deafness, the sickness, the lameness, and he heals, eventually we're going to physically die. This is the lesser thing. Jesus says to the guy in the cot, I say, stand up and walk. And I forgive you of your sins. And the people say, who is this guy that forgives sins? And he says, I'm doing the lesser, healing him to prove I do the greater. That's what's going on here. Jesus does the lesser. In the name of Jesus, stand and walk, healing broken ankles. Can natural unconverted people know and love the Lord Jesus Christ? No. The Bible says we weren't even paralytics or quadriplegics. The Bible says we were necros. We were corpses. Can corpses believe in Jesus to the salvation of their soul? No. Well, then it's all lost. No. Can God raise the dead? Yes. And does he raise the dead? I'm looking at them. You are spiritually dead and God in Christ made you alive. That's this Christ. And so Peter doesn't say, look at me. I'm the rock. I'm the first pope. You should give me a few shekels and you should worship me. No, he doesn't say any of that. In the name of Jesus. And he says, I don't even have any money. So the church, the ministry of the word is the ministry of the word in the presentation of Jesus. The ministers here are not, this is the slam against Protestant ministers. You're all in it for the money. 
Maybe there are some people that are in it for the money and shame on them. And I don't want to die and be in their boots. But the faithful minister is not about amassing sums of money. The faithful minister that we see with Peter and John, what is their whole life absorbed in? Making Jesus Christ known. That's what Paul says. That's what Peter and John are doing. They're, they're men on a mission. They're men on a mission. And ministers are men on missions. Christians, we are people on missions. And what's the purpose of our life? What's it all about? What's the purpose? They had one purpose. Peter and John woke up in the morning and they had one purpose. What's their purpose? To make Christ known. They're walking, talking Christ advertisers. To make Christ known that Jesus saves sinners, that Jesus is God come in the flesh, believe in him. And so when they come and say, in the name of Jesus, it's to woo this man. It's so that the people in the crowd would say, this is an Isaiah, this is an Isaiah 35. Christ has come and Jesus is the Christ. Therefore, we should believe. That's what's going on. Now, what's interesting is it ha- the, the venue of this miracle is the temple. Nothing in the Bible is arbitrary. It's at the temple in the time of prayer. What did the temple teach the people of God? What did the temple teach the Jews about God and the people? It was the place where God placed his what? His name. It's where God and man dwelt and they dwelt together. What does the word Emmanuel mean? And God with us. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the priesthood. Jesus is the sacrifices. He's the high priest. He's the feasts. He's the day of atonement. All of this is meant to teach the Jews. Even Jesus says, I'm going to tear down this what? And in three days, build it up again. The temple. Everything. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our hope, both for our broken bodies and for our broken souls. And the the miracle happens at the time of prayer. It's interesting that it does happen at the time of prayer. Prayer is when we commune with God, when we talk with God. And notice that the fellow himself, he doesn't even, he doesn't even say to the to to Peter and to John, heal me, heal my legs. I've never been able to walk. I've been crippled from birth. Heal me. What does he ask Peter and John for? Money. Now you might say, well, if this guy is a Jew, doesn't he believe in the God of the Bible? Doesn't he believe that the God of the Bible, as you say, Pastor John, can affect miracles? Doesn't he believe in a miracle-working God? I can't be dogmatic because the text doesn't say, but I'm going to say yes. Does the fact this guy not expect a miracle, but he's hoping for money, does it show that he has no faith or little faith? No. No, I'm I'm going to argue not necessarily. How does God ordinarily run our lives? Through miraculous means or through ordinary or secondary means. Could God feed you if you're hungry? Could he feed you from a raven like Elijah? Could he? Is it a sign of great faith when you wake up in the morning, you get your plate out and you put it on the breakfast table and you wait for the ravens to drop off a bag from McDonald's? Is that a sign of great faith? No. It's a sign of what? I was going to say stupidity, but... God ordinarily doesn't. If you were to look out over the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of human existence, the account, the, 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 the number of, of real miracles would be scarce. 
It's not a sign that this guy says, I don't believe in a miracle working God, therefore I'm just not looking for a miracle, I'm just looking for money. God ordinarily doesn't govern by miracles. If he does, great. But if he doesn't, what should we do? Trust in God, love God, and follow God, and live for God. If you pray to God, oh God, remove this thorn from my flesh. Remove it, Lord. Heal, Lord. And let's say he doesn't. What should you do as a believer? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And press on. So, beloved, and I'm saying this for this. Sometimes people in another kind of churches say, well, if you're not healed and you pray for a healing, a miraculous healing, that means you don't have enough faith and you're a bad person or a bad Christian. That's bad theology. The Apostle Paul had an eye problem. Timothy had a stomach problem. And Timothy had a stomach problem because he had a stress problem. Um, read your Bible. Read your Bible. So the existence of sickness and difficulty, it's, it's ubiquitous. It, it runs to real believers struggle with these real things. And it doesn't mean that you're a lousy believer. It doesn't mean you're a lousy believer. It doesn't mean you don't have enough faith or God doesn't love you. That's stupid. Don't even think like that. God put the Apostle Paul, he gave him a thorn and a messenger for Satan. He loved the Apostle Paul. It means the exact opposite. So if God miraculously heals you or your loved one, praise God. But if he doesn't, press on and walk by faith. He wants money because he wants to eat. There's nothing, there's nothing tricky here. He wants money because he wants to eat. And Peter and John say, I don't have any money, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus. And these guys, I would argue the Bible teaches us that God gave, the way that his ministers make Christ known is Bible, law, gospel. But then for these guys, apostles, real apostles, I'm not talking the fake apostle, real apostle in the Bible apostle. Jesus Christ gave them supernatural powers to attest to the truthfulness of his word until the close of canon. They could cast out demons, they could heal the sick, they could raise the dead, the apostles, in the name of Jesus, all to prove that the gospel of Jesus was going from Jew to Gentile, that Jesus is the Savior. These men have these gifts. Now, does God still do miracles? I suppose he does. I think he's free to do that. Do we still have miracle-working apostles? I would argue no. But these guys do have the power to affect miracles. But as I say, it's not the, the fellow themselves, but it's God in Christ who heals these particular people. And so these people say, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand um, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. One of the... Um, one of the one of the commentators said something interesting, and, and you'll know if you're a mom or you're a grandparent who watches your, your daughter or your son teach your little kids how to walk. Little kids just don't come up like when they learn to walk, you need to put a hockey helmet on them. In any sharp corner, any they, they, they literally with their little noggins are going right for the coffee table. They don't they they're going right for that. Because they're all over the place. You have to learn how to balance on these two pins of ours. One of the commentators, I thought it was insightful, said this man didn't even go through the training period. His legs and his ankles now worked. But not only his legs and his ankles worked. Remember learning language? Mayama one, And they learned to speak fluently. This guy could walk perfectly. He's not even like the toddler phase. Who can do that? God can do it. And the, and the text tells us, and the people are amazed. What's the first thing the guy does? 
He leaps for what? Joy. Oh, beloved, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who rejo- uh, uh, weep. It, you think, well, this is the lesser thing. This isn't necessarily being spiritually uh, restored in Christ. That's true. I hope it, the, the latter ha- happened. If you could not walk and some doctor performed an operation or your kid couldn't walk and they performed an operation and you saw your little kid walking, what would you be doing? You'd be crying for joy. Right? This guy is overwhelmed. He, he was born crippled from the womb. And in the name of Jesus, he's whole. Jesus can do the lesser and he can do the, the, the greater. So this is calling all of us to look to Jesus. Yes, if we have a physical infirmity, we, we come to him. But spiritually, it's only in the name of Jesus Christ that we can make, be made whole. And the text tells us, and they're all amazed. And I'm going to tell you, stepping back in the book of Acts, you would think, you know what? Well, there's going to be no, no pagan temples anywhere. Um, everybody's going to stop going to the, the Jewish temple. They're going to know Jesus has come. Everybody's going to be a believer because they're all seeing it. Is that what happened? They witnessed a miracle. Did all of a sudden the whole boatload of them become believers? No. From here, clear through to what, Acts 8, Acts 9, you know what's really going to kick off here? With, the, with a real miracle. What do the Jews say? We have to kill these people. We have to kill these people. We have to stop Christianity from going forward. So we think, well, if we could have miracles, people would believe in Jesus. Oh, no, they wouldn't. Seeing is not believing. Believing is a gift of Almighty God. So unless God opens your eyes, you could see a guy raised from the dead. Remember the guy in hell? And the rich guy in hell? And he says to Jesus, send someone back to my brothers. And what does Jesus say? They have the law and the prophets. Even if they saw a guy raised from the dead, they wouldn't believe unless they believe the law and the prophets. Beloved, we have a miracle-working God, a miracle-working Christ. Do you believe in Christ? Do you trust in Him for your body and your soul? Do you rest in Him as God come in the flesh? I pray that you do. May God be pleased with the preaching of His word.